0: This presentation was prepared for release on April 13th, 2021. Greetings. This is Terry Noeltau. April 13th is the anniversary of the premiere of Handel's Messiah. The first performance of it was presented in Neil's Music Hall in Fishamble Street, in Dublin, Ireland, on April thirteenth, seventeen forty-two. And Messiah, as Handel premiered it that n- night, sounded significantly different from Messiah has 99.999% of all listeners nowadays know it to be. So, on this presentation, this internet broadcast made possible for the Foundation for the Revival of Classical Culture, I want to present to you two versions of Messiah. One reflects the original version. The other handles significant revisions, most of which were made in 1749 and 1750. It is not possible to reconstruct completely Messiah as it was performed in Dublin on April 13th, 1742. The exigencies of performance required the last-minute substitution of a recitative for an aria in part 1. That recitative has not survived. However, it is possible to recreate the first London performance of Messiah, which took place on March 23rd, 1743. This version of Messiah has been recorded. The edition was prepared by the late, great Christopher Hogwood. I am honored to be able to say that Chris was my loyal and treasured friend for 30 years. You will discover, those of you who know Messiah or think you do, that there are some interesting alternate versions from the early years of Handel's performances of Messiah, which was not favorably received when premiered in London on March 23rd, 1743. Among those incensed was the then Bishop of London who considered this oratorio a sacrilege to perform a composition on biblical texts in a theater. Never! Well, it happened. It happened again. And ultimately, it became solidly a part of the repertory in listening to the early versions of Messiah you will note significant differences in London in 1743 we will begin with something that's tentative in describing the differences Handel ultimately altered the beginning of the bass recitative Thus saith the Lord of Hosts. In this edition, Chris Hogwood included the original version, which Handel may well have suppressed before the London premiere. However, there are other things that we know that he did. For example, in the tenor air, the tenor song, every valley shall be exalted. In the ritornellos, in the original version, there are two bars that he ultimately removed as, if you will, odious, redundant. And then there is the issue of the aria but who may abide the day of his coming the original version is for bass and there is no tempo change that came in 1750 i'll talk about that when i play a recording of the later version another significant difference And this happened only, only, in London in 1743. Handel wrote a special accompanied recitative for the singer Kitty Clive. It was used only in 1743, the only year she sang for him. And that... Accompanied recitative, is, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And then, there is the aria, "Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion." We think of it, and love it, as an aria in common time, four-four. Originally, it was rather jig-like. It was in 12.8. It started out as a da capo aria. Handel realized very quickly that it would be too long that way, so he divided the original A section and shoved the B section in between. In this performance, which was recorded, As I recall in 1973 I don't have that information sadly at hand and I'm double-checking the booklet and I'm right I think it was made in 1973 if I'm wrong and I find it out I'll eat humble pie in one of these presentations In this performance, the soprano is Ellie Ameling the alto, Hannah Reynolds, the tenor, Philip Langridge, the bass, Gwyn Howell, Kenneth Heath plays cello continuo, Nicholas Kramer, harpsichord continuo, Chris Hogwood, Christopher Hogwood chamber organ continuo, the harpsichord a dulcan copy by Gleason and Garrett. The chamber organ was made by the late great Noel Mander. The academy and chorus of St. Martin in the fields which was prepared by Laszlo Heltai is conducted by Neville Mariner. So, now, here is part one of George Frederick Handel's Messiah, a performance based on the first London performance of March 23rd, 1743.
1: Amen. Mm-hmm.
2: come to his temple, in the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. (laughs) Hmm? <laughs>
0: one of George Frederick Handel's Messiah in a reconstruction of the version that was performed in London on March 23rd, 1743. The London premiere of the work, which received its first performance in Neal's Music Hall on Fishamble Street in Dublin, Ireland, on April 13th, 1742. In this performance, you heard Ellie Ameling, soprano, Anna Reynolds, contralto, Philip Langridge, tenor, Gwyn Howell, bass, Kenneth Heath, cello continuo, Nicholas Kramer, harpsichord continuo, Christopher Hogwood, chamber organ continuo, and I might add that the edition was prepared by Christopher Hogwood. The harpsichord, a copy by Clayson and Garrett of an instrument built in 1745 by Dulcan, the chamber organ built by the great Noel Mander the chorus of St. Martin in the Fields was prepared by Laszlo Heltai. the Academy of St. Martins in the Fields and all of the other performers were conducted by Neville Mariner the most significant differences between The familiar version of Messiah and the early versions, those that predate the significant changes that Handel made in 1749 and 1750, are to be heard in part two. For one thing, and it's an important one thing, the soprano aria, as we customarily hear it nowadays, How Beautiful Are the Feet, in the early versions is a duet and chorus. This apparently is something that Handel created for the work while he was resident in Dublin in 1741 and 1742. It begins with a duet for soprano and alto, and that is followed by a chorus, Break Forth Into Joy. Their sound is gone out, which follows it, is not yet a chorus, it is an arioso for tenor. The difference is significant and it's difficult to choose which way one as a listener wants to go. Now I must eat a little bit of humble pie. This recording which I said I didn't know when it was made. It was made in the historic church of St. John's Smith Square in London. It's now a concert hall in January and July of 1976. Ellie Ameling is the soprano. Anna Reynolds, the contralto. Philip Langridge, the tenor, Gwyn Howell, the bass, Kenneth Heath, continuo cello, Nicholas Kramer, harpsichord continuo, playing a Clayson and Garrett copy of a mid-18th century Netherlandish instrument by Dulcken; Christopher Hogwood, chamber organ continuo, playing a chamber organ built by the great Noel Mander. The Academy of St. Martin in the Fields and the Chorus of St. Martin in the Fields all are conducted by Neville Mariner. Part 2 of Handel's Messiah in a reconstruction of the first London performance given On March twenty third, seventeen forty three. George Frederick Handel's Messiah as performed in London at the first performance of Messiah in London on March 23rd, 1743. Ellie Ameling, soprano, Anna Reynolds, contralto, Philip Langridge, tenor, Gwyn Howell, bass, John Wilbraham, First Trumpet. Kenneth Heath, Cello Continuo. Nicholas Kramer, Harpsichord Continuo, playing a Gleason and Carrot copy of a mid-18th century instrument by Tolkien. Christopher Hogwood, Organ Continuo, playing a chamber organ by Noel Mander the Academy of St. Martin-in-the-Fields, and the chorus of St. Martin-in-the-Fields, which was prepared by Laszlo Hilday, all under the direction of Neville Mariner. The recording was made in the historic church of St. John's Smith's Square in London, England, in January and July 1976. Part 3 of Messiah, like the third part of almost all of the oratorios of George Frederick Handel, is about two-thirds of the lengths of parts 1 and 2, each of which lasts approximately one hour. I am convinced that the reason that part three of the Handel Oratorios is always about two-thirds the lengths of parts one and two is that is the point in the evening when Handel presented the concerto at the organ. So, we're going to have an organ concerto the one I have chosen I think as you listen to it you will understand why shall we say there is a certain thematic relationship to be perceived in one of the movements with one of the most famous movements in Messiah. This is the organ concerto number 9 in B-flat major opus 7 number 3 this is a historic performance the organist is Simon Preston harpsichord continuo is played by Valda Aveling it is the organ used that is particularly interesting this instrument which now is in the church at Great Packington, was designed by George Frederick Handel for his friend Charles Jannens, who assembled the libretto for Messiah and a couple of other Handel oratorios. Jannens was one of the wealthiest men in England. And he and Handel were friends. Jennings asked Handel to design the instrument, which was built according to his specifications. Ultimately, a second keyboard was added also, apparently, to Handel's design. Handel visited with Jennings from time to time, so... It is a certainty that he played this organ. Mr. Preston is partnered by the Menuhin Festival Orchestra, conducted by Yehudi Menuhin. organ concerto number 9 in B-flat major, opus 7 number 3, I might add that the numbering system that we use is not one that was used by Handel. The only ones to which our numbering system applies are the opus 4 concertos, the 6 concertos opus 4 which were the first ones published so therefore they are numbers one through six in that performance which was recorded in 1969 simon preston was the organist valda aveling played harpsichord continuo the Menuin festival orchestra was conducted by Yehudi Menuhin, he had not yet been knighted was not yet Sir Yehudi and ultimately he became Lord Menuhin He was by the way a lovely human being. I had the honor and privilege of knowing the gentleman part three of Messiah a recreation of the version first presented in London in March of 1743. March 25th 1743, no March 23rd 1743 to be precise. You will notice a few differences between the 1743 version of part 3 and the version that we customarily encounter nowadays in performances that are not quote-unquote abridged yes there are those awful standard cuts that one encounters in many performances and recordings you will note For example, that the concluding aria, if God is for us, is sung by an alto. This was the way Handel presented that aria in Dublin in 1742 and also at the first London performance. He did it this way because He was blessed with the services of Susanna Sibber, who was a marvelous singer and singing actress, apparently, and she was the sister, by the way, of the composer and organist and keyboard player Thomas Augustine Arne. You will also notice that the duet, O Death, Where Is Thy Sting?, is substantially longer than the familiar version. Handel did not shorten that duet until he made the significant revisions that he made in 1749 and 50. There are other differences which I am sure that you will notice. Once again, This is the historic recording of the recreation of the first London performance of March 23rd, 1743 that was prepared by Christopher Hogwood for Neville Mariner. Ellie Ameling is the soprano, Anna Reynolds, the contralto, Philip Langridge, the tenor, Gwyn Howell, the bass. John Wilbraham, first trumpet and trumpet soloist in The Trumpet Shall Sound, which, by the way, is presented as a full da capo aria. Handel did not turn it into a dal senu aria until a couple of seasons after the London premiere. Kenneth Heath, plays cello continuo, Nicholas Kramer, harpsichord continuo, playing on a Clayson and Garrett copy of a mid-18th century instrument by Dulcan, and finally, Christopher Hogwood is the organ continuist, and he is playing a chamber organ that was made by the great Noel Mander. The Academy of St. Martin in the Fields and the Chorus of St. Martin in the Fields, which was prepared by chorus master Laszlo Heltai, all under the direction of Neville Mariner. He wasn't yet Sir Neville Mariner. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. of George Frederick Handel's Messiah in a reconstruction of the version of the score that Handel presented at the first performance in London on March 23rd, 1743. The performing edition was prepared by Christopher Hogwood. Eliameling Ameling was the soprano, Anna Reynolds, the contralto, Philip Langridge, the tenor, Gwyn Howell, the bass. John Wilbraham was the first trumpeter, and thus the performer of the obbligato trumpet part in the trumpet shall sound. Kenneth Heath, cello continuo, Nicholas Kramer, harpsichord continuo, playing on a Clayson and Garrett copy of a mid-eighteenth-century harpsichord by Dulcan. Christopher Hawkwood played the organ continuo on a chamber organ made by the great Noel Mander. The Academy of St. Martin in the Fields and the Chorus of St. Martin in the Fields, prepared by Chorus Master Laszlo Heltai. All were conducted by Neville Mariner in this recording, which was made in the Church of St. John's Smith Square in London, which is now a concert hall, in January and July of 1976. Before I go on to the later version of Messiah, I would like to make a few comments about the Mariner recording, of which I am very fond. Some of the ornamentation and embellishments obviously will sound anachronistic and do, and that's because there's a lot of water that's gone over the musicological dam in the last forty five years. I also will observe that in the trumpetal sound The revised declamation for the words be raised incorruptible is used. There is absolutely no evidence that Handel approved this change. No version that uses the changed declamation can be dated to a time before Handel went blind. And it appears in handwritten copies only after Handel died. The first time being the copy that was commissioned by King George III shortly after his accession to the throne in 1760. People say, well, the awkward declamation of the original is the result of Handel's poor English. That is absolute BULL BLEEP for two reasons. Number one, that he could set incorruptible correctly is proved by the setting of the B section. For this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and so forth. Also, the awkward original declamation is a musical pun. What Handel is saying with that, and he had a wicked sense of humor, is that even when the word is mispronounced, it is still incorruptible. I might add that the declamation in the concluding aria also is suspect. You don't find it in any early copy and those in which you do, it is clear that it is a later quote-unquote correction. Mainstream scholarship contends that the revision to the familiar, if you will, sing-songy version dates from very early and that Handel himself made it. Probably not so. I am one of those contrarians, of course, and I personally prefer the original declamation if God is for us not if God be for us here endeth my mini-sermon